Have you ever seen the Larry King show? I think it's still on. I think it still exists. He's, he's up there. He's in his uh, late 80s, um, if I'm not mistaken. Larry King show, he's got a, uh, a show where he'll sit down with a guest for half an hour or an hour and interview them extensively. And so he can really dig and, and get into a lot of uh, good questions. And every time he has a guest on who's a preacher or an evangelist or a pastor of some sort, he'll always ask the, some form of this question. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? And I think this question interests Larry because he himself has a Jewish background, uh, yet he's agnostic if I understand correctly. And so guests such as Pastor John MacArthur will answer the question very directly and say, yes, Jesus is the only way to to God or the only way to heaven. And uh, John MacArthur and others like him will will often quote the verse that we'll look at today in John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then Larry King will have other preacher or evangelist or pastor guests, uh, such as prosperity gospel preacher Joel Osteen, who will uh, stumble and bumble and fumble their way through the answer because they don't want to quote Jesus making that statement, that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. Because doing that would potentially uh, offend purchasers of his next book, God Wants You Wealthy But Not As Wealthy As Me. And, uh, you know, it leads me to wonder, you know, why can't prosperity gospel proponents simply answer the question the way it was asked? And the answer is because prosperity, the prosperity gospel is a false gospel. It's a false message. It's a cheap counterfeit of the true good news of Scripture. And one of the teachings of Christ that is most dangerous to the pocketbook of false teachers is the exclusivity of Christ. And it's not just prosperity gospel proponents that take issue with Jesus' claim to be the exclusive way to God. The idea, the false idea, that Jesus is one of many ways to God can be seen in a lot of different groups. A lot of different people believe that, such as New Age proponents like Oprah Winfrey or um, Hindus who believe in everything, really. Um, And they're just sort of waiting to be reincarnated enough times to finally make it to nirvana, hopefully. Or Buddhists who are essentially Hindus, except they feel like they found a shortcut and they can get to nirvana in this life and not have to be reincarnated. And, And they... They do that, not through belief in an exclusive Jesus, but rather through some middle way found within themselves. They would be glad to say that Jesus might be one of many ways to God. Muslims who would tell you that they believe in Jesus, only that the Jesus they believe in is a prophet who's lesser than the prophet Muhammad, they would probably be able to say, yeah, Jesus may be one of many ways to God. Theologically liberal churches would agree with that sentiment that Jesus is just one of many ways to God. 
because these churches have long ago left their biblical moorings and are now completely indistinguishable from society's belief of the day. And also, agnostics who can't make up their mind what they believe, they would say, you know, if there is a God up there, there probably is many ways to get to him. And so they would agree with that sentiment that Jesus may be one of many ways to God. But you see, everyone, everyone it seems, wants to get to heaven, but very few people relatively have the courage to be able to say that Jesus is the exclusive one and only way to God. The question, that question, is Jesus the only way to God, is perhaps the most important question that you could ask and hopefully answer today. Because if Jesus is only one of many ways to God, then perhaps nobody, not even atheists, have anything to worry about. If that was the case, then maybe, just maybe, if you're just sincere enough in whatever you believe, even if you believe nothing, then maybe on Judgment Day, God would look at you and, and say, you know, I know that you rejected my son, and I know that you completely dismissed his death on the cross to pay for all of your spiritual crimes against me. And, and I know that um, you don't believe that Jesus, my son, was resurrected, and I know that you refuse to acknowledge him as Lord. And I know that I actually said in my word that I require belief in the resurrected Jesus as Lord in order to make it to heaven. But you know what? Hey, let's just look beyond all that. Let's just sort of skip all that, pretend it never happened. Come on in. Maybe that will be your experience on Judgment Day. Maybe not. Maybe it won't be. Maybe there is only one way to God. And I want you to think about that possibility. Just think about the possibility that there might be only one way to God. Because those two statements, that there are many ways to God and there is only one way to God, they cannot both be true. Those statements stand in contradiction to each other. If one of them is true, the other one, by definition, is false. If the other is true, then the one is false. And so that is the nature of truth. Truth itself is exclusive. If something is truly one way, then it cannot be the opposite of that. It's the law of non-contradiction. Recently, as... as uh, Shortly as a couple of weeks ago, some, some leftists and Marxists, who happen to be educators actually, on Twitter began to argue against the idea that 2 plus 2 equals 4. I'm not making this up. They said, and one of them said, and I quote, 2 plus 2 equals 4 reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. Now, I find it interesting that only that type of person always goes and classifies people according to race or according to this or according to that. They want to box people in a box, you know. But at the risk of this white man being labeled a patriarchal supremacist, I'd like to make the bold and controversial assertion that if you had two apples and you added two more apples, you would end up with 
four apples. Now, I'm relatively certain of that. And if I've offended any of you today, I'd like to apologize and let you know that my white patriarchal math is in, is in fact supreme to yours, if you disagree with that. You know, truth is exclusive. It just is. If 2 plus 2 is 4, then 2 plus 2 is not something else. It, it's just that way. Truth has always been exclusive. It always will be exclusive. And because truth is exclusive, then it is entirely possible that Jesus is the only exclusive way and the only exclusive truth and the only exclusive life. And today I want to explore that statement that Jesus made in context, and I want to explore the details of that statement because I want to see if that is actually what Jesus meant. Did Jesus actually mean for us to believe that he is the one and only exclusive way to the Father? I mean, he's made that statement a long time ago, and it was in a different language and a different culture. Maybe, maybe something got lost in translation. Maybe there's something that we're missing here. You know, then again, maybe not. So we're going to look at this in detail. And also, and if it proves to be so, that that is exactly what Jesus meant, and I feel like I've already given away the half of my sermon, then we're going to look at the evidence to back up such a claim. Is there any evidence that such a claim made by Jesus would actually be true? That he is the one and only exclusive way to the Father. And so if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 13. The, the verse is actually John 14, 6, but turn to John 13, verse 33, because I want to give you the context in which Jesus made this statement, okay? So it's the very last day of Jesus' life here on earth. I mean, the next day he's going to be crucified. Let's put it that way. And so he's meeting with his disciples, and he has the last supper with them. And he's talking to them about some very important things he's, he, because he is about to go somewhere. And that's exactly what he says in John chapter 13, verse 33. Jesus says to them, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter, verse 36, said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Now, I want you to think about this. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. About three and a half years ago, Jesus had said to each one of them, Follow me. And they did exactly that. They literally followed Jesus. Where he walked, they walked. They went with him wherever he was to go, and, and they were with Jesus for some three and a half years or so. And so that's exactly what they did. Follow me. They did that pretty well. They followed Jesus. They learned a lot. They, they learned a lot about their own ignorance, but they, they followed Jesus. And now Jesus says, you can't follow me anymore. 
I'm about to go somewhere where you can't go. Because now is the last day before Jesus is arrested and tried and crucified. And he says, you cannot follow me. I have to do this alone. And so they were trying to comprehend this. Why can't we follow you anymore? Verse 37, Peter responds to Jesus. He says to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Then we go on in chapter 14. Jesus continues his statement. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is telling them where he's about to go. Okay. Verse 3 of chapter 14, Jesus continues. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Now, before we get to the verse in question, before we get to John 14, 6, you need to understand carefully what Thomas is saying in John 14, 5. Thomas made a statement and he asked a question. Thomas said again, Lord, we do not know the destination to which you are headed. We do not know the end result. We do not know the goal. We do not know that final destination where you're about to go. And then Thomas said, and if we don't know that final destination, well, how in the world do we know how to get there? I mean, if we don't know where you're going, how do we get there? Makes sense. So we don't know the destination, and we don't know the way there. Jesus answers both of these questions in the next verse. What is the destination? It's God the Father. How do we get there? Through Jesus. Verse 14, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus famously said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, I want us to look at this statement in detail because I'm going to point out two things that are not obvious when we read this in English. Number one, every time in John's gospel that Jesus says, I am this or I am that, the statement that Jesus makes is emphatic. And you can't really read it in English that way. In other words, Jesus didn't just say, I, when he said, I am. He, he was saying, I myself am. I myself am the bread of life. I myself am the light of the world. I myself am the door of the sheep. 
I myself am the good shepherd. I myself am the resurrection and the life. I myself am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when Jesus is saying, I myself, he's saying, I exclusively, myself, and no one else. There's only one bread, and there's only one door, and so on and so forth. And I am He, exclusively. Secondly, when Jesus made the statement, No one comes to the Father but through me. We translate the word B-U-T, but. But actually, there's two words in the Greek. The text literally reads, No one comes to the Father if not through me. That's how Jesus originally said it. No one comes to the Father if not through me. In other words, if it were not for Jesus, no one would come to the Father. If it was not for Jesus, no one would be able to come to the Father at all. The only way that anyone can possibly come to the Father is through Jesus. He could not have made a more exclusive claim. I myself am the way, and nobody can come to the Father if it were not for me. So there is no other way to understand Jesus. He is absolutely claiming to be the one and only exclusive way to God. But that, that, that doesn't stop anyone from misunderstanding Jesus, whether unintentionally or purposefully. For example, a few years ago, one guy who identifies himself as an interfaith leader and a counselor to congregations, which means he's just making up titles, he wrote an article for the Huffington Post, and he explored this verse, and, and the whole article was about what did Jesus really mean when he said this. And this is what the guy wrote in the article. He said, Today I realize what Jesus was really saying is this. I know the way. I've discovered the way. Which by implication means you can too. Here's the problem with that interpretation. If Jesus wanted to say, I know the way to God, Jesus would have said, I know the way to God. He didn't say that. Jesus did not say, I know the way to God. Jesus said as clearly as possible, I am the way to God. And nobody gets to God except by the way to him, by himself. No one gets to God except through Jesus. And so now that we've established exactly what Jesus meant, that Jesus claimed to be the exclusive way to God, that only leaves one question. Does the evidence support the claim? Well, let's see. Look at the next verse. Verse 7. Jesus says to Thomas and the others, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, 
when you look at me, you're seeing God the Father. Jesus is saying, I perfectly reflect who the Father is. If you want to know who the invisible, eternal God is, He's sitting right in front of you. Look at me. Evidence number one, Jesus perfectly reflects the character of God the Father. So let's just look at this for a second. Let's suppose, just in a couple of different ways, we look at Jesus' life and we compare it to what you know about God. Okay? First of all, we know that God is sinless, right? I mean, God has to be sinless. God has to be without sin. We know that. The question is, is Jesus sinless? Well, yes. We know that God, by His very character, always has to be right. Always has to be right. God can never be wrong. Question. Was Jesus always right? Well, yes. Always. No one ever stumped them. But he stumped them. Jesus was always right. We know that God, by his very nature, always speaks the truth. He has to, by his very nature. Otherwise, he's not God. God always speaks the truth. Question, did Jesus always speak the truth? Always. Yes. Okay? So let's just take those three same comparisons, and let's apply them to you. God is sinless. Are you? Nope. God is always right. Are you? God always speaks the truth. Do you? Men, look out for your wives' elbows. No? You see, other than the limitations that Jesus voluntarily took upon himself when he became a human, when he left heaven and came to earth, other than those voluntary, temporary limitations, everything you can say about Jesus, you can say about the Father. Because Jesus perfectly reflects the Father. That's evidence number one, that Jesus' claim to be the exclusive way to God is true. Evidence number two, the teaching of Jesus is from God. Look at what Jesus said in verses 8 through 10. We have this conversation continuing. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Look at verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does His works. Think about the words Jesus said when He was on this earth. Jesus' teaching is not from this world. Jesus' teaching is not regular old human thought. You go back and you read the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm just going to point out a couple of 
statements that Jesus made in the Sermon on the Mount. But these words were not just merely human words. These teachings do not come from earth. These are heavenly teachings, just a few of them. But in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus made this statement. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall... And if you had never heard that statement before, if you had never read that, no one had ever taught you the end of that sentence, and I were to ask you, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall fill in the blank. I guarantee you, not one of you would say, they would see God. No one would ever in his right mind claim to be able to see God. But Jesus said, there's coming a day when the pure in heart will actually see the invisible God. This is a teaching that can only come from someone who had come from heaven. I'll give you another one. Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. Are you kidding me? Who on earth would ever say, you know, when people insult me, when people persecute me, I just feel so blessed. I just enjoy it. I get these shivers up and down my spine. That's not natural human thought. That's not human truth, earthy truth. It's heavenly truth. Because blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and, say, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Who would know that? Only someone who came from heaven. Only someone who had already been there. I'll give you another example. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, of course, Jesus, that's natural. I love the people that I like. And I hate the people that I don't like. What's more natural than that? But Jesus continued to give us truth from heaven. And he said something that's just completely, completely unnatural to our common earthly experience. He said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Are you crazy? Love your enemies. Whoever would have taught that? Only someone who knew the benefit of it. Only someone who knew that there are rewards in heaven for doing that. Jesus gave us the cure for anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in 631 of Matthew's Gospel, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the people without God's law, the Gentiles, they, they worry about such things. They eagerly seek such things. You know what? Your heavenly Father, He already knows you need all these things. So here's what you do. You seek first 
God's kingdom. You seek after God's righteousness. And I promise you, God will take care of all those things. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just spend this day seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness. I'm telling you, this is not a regular human teaching. This is a teaching that comes from someone who came from heaven. And if he came from heaven, I would suspect that he knows the way there. In fact, as he told us, he is the way there. Back to John chapter 14. Evidence number three that Jesus claimed to be the one and only exclusive way to God is correct. Evidence number three are the miracles of Jesus. Look at what Jesus said in verse 11. He said this to Philip. You know what? If you can't believe my teaching, here's what he said. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Jesus saved a wedding by turning water into wine. Can you do that? Can anyone in the history of mankind do that? Only one. Jesus delivered a man with a legion of demons. Can you or anyone else do that? Jesus fed thousands of people with a few fish and a few pieces of bread. Can you or anyone else do that? Jesus restored sight to a blind man. Can you or anyone else do that? Jesus raised a dead man, Lazarus, to life. Can you do that? There is something markedly unique about the miracles, the works of Jesus Christ. They are evidence that he is who he said he is. You see, here's the reality. You don't reflect the character of God. You and your words don't come from God. And you can't do the miracles of God. So what makes you think that you know the way to God? What makes any person on earth think, oh, I, I know the way. I know the way to God. Even though I don't reflect God's character. Even though my words don't reflect God's teachings. Even though I can't do God's works through miracles. I know the way. Are you kidding me? There's no way you know the way. There's only one person who knows the way. And if you were to say, well, I just believe, you know, that there's many ways to God. The truth is, you don't know anything, do you? You're just guessing. You're just hoping. You're just engaging in wishful thinking. And I would say to you that engaging in wishful thinking about your eternal fate is a dangerous thing to guess about. It is a horribly bad thing to get wrong. You don't want to get this question wrong. Is Jesus the only way to God? 
you better get this right. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, either you can take that statement and accept it, or you can take that statement and reject it. The choice is completely yours. I would beg you, as someone who cares, that you would take that statement and accept it. Because if Jesus indeed was right, as all the evidence points to, and you still reject him, you are sealing your fate. You're rejecting your only way to God. And I don't know how many years you will have in this life, but it pales in comparison to the years that you will have once your life is over. Accept what Jesus said. Yes, it's exclusive. Yes, it may not win you certain friends. Yes, it might make people upset. But there comes a point where you just have to do what's right for you. And you have to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ Christ.